0: I'm and welcome to a special edition of the Opiongo Readers Theatre, with two of our favourite readers, Lois LaSalle and Heather Paulquin. We're here in Barry's Bay at St. Lawrence O'Toole Church, one of the three grand old parishes of Barry's Bay, and as the name suggests a church with a long and distinguished history involving Irish families who settled the area long ago. And though the church we're standing in front of, or in, was built in 1964, the history of those early Irish settlers who eventually formed St. Lawrence O'Toole Parish goes back a very long way well into the mid-nineteenth century, and well into some very interesting times. Indeed, the church that now stands here replaced an earlier church that was quite famous in its own right. During the first half of the twentieth century, one of Canada's great painters, A.J. Casson better known as a founding member of the Group of Seven, was so taken by the old St. Lawrence O'Toole's singular beauty, if not its name, St. Lawrence O'Toole, who ever heard of such a name, that Casson set up his easel just down the street and painted this parish church on a lovely day not unlike today. And for those of you in our audience today, we have a copy of that painting for you to view right in front of you today. But first, a bit about the parish itself. Though it's now a mix of many cultures and ethnicities, St. Lawrence O'Toole Roman Catholic Church here in Barry's Bay was named for the original Irish settlers who started to move into the upper Mattawaska River area as early as 1840. At the time the Archbishop of Kingston had plucked a young priest Father John McNulty from upper New York State and convinced him to address the religious needs of a group of Irish settlers who had congregated around Mount St. Patrick. By 1858, a church was built in Brudenell, a wild and woolly village on the newly minted Opiongo colonization road. And by 1897, there were so many Irish settlers in the Barry's Bay area that the pastor of Brudenell was asked to build a small chapel right here on these grounds, where we're standing or sitting today. A church, though, is always more than the sum of its parts, certainly more than the brick and mortar that goes into its construction, and certainly more than even the religious leaders who manage and staff the building. Indeed, a parish is made up of the families who come together to worship, or other times to pursue a variety of social and religious goals. So who were those families back then? Well, according to our parish historian Robert Corrigan, who wrote a history of the St. Lawrence O'Toole Parish, some of the names might surprise you. Back in the day, That day being April 1861, when a colonial census was first taken in these parts, the names of the families included both Irish and French. There were James and Matilda Dara, Carl and Anne Sullivan, George and Mary Conway, James and Mary Dermody, and... Baptiste and Agnes Valliere. Of course, there was no St. Lawrence O'Toole Church to go to back then, and if they were lucky enough before 1855, they might see Father McNulty once in a blue moon, either on one of his many trips upriver from Mount St. Patrick, or on those rare occasions when they themselves made it down the river to Mount St. Patrick. After 1858, life got a bit better, with a shorter trip up or down to Brudenell for baptisms, weddings, or funerals. Sunday Mass, however, still remained a rarity for the good folks up in the Madawaska Valley. Of course, things did slowly begin to change, For one, Barry's Bay was no longer part of a British colony. As of 1867, it had become part of Canada, and so by 1871, there were 81 families living in the Barry's Bay area, including many of whom were of Irish descent. Thomas and Catherine Coughlin, Michael and Margaret Conway, Charles and Sarah Kitts, Jim and Hannah Murray, Frank and Emily Green, that's just to name a few. Many of the Conway, Kitts, and Green descendants are still with us today. 10 years later, in 1881, these families were joined by others of Irish descent, including Martin and Mary Daly, and Charles and Rose Kitts. Of course, people back then, more often than not, knew each other by their nicknames, such as Coal Oil Charlie and Red Mick. But, if you take a wander through our graveyard today, you will see those family names and the names of the others who would become the founding families of St. Lawrence O'Toole. It was not until the 1880s and early 1890s, however, that there were enough of those Irish immigrants and others to justify the thinking about building even a chapel. But let's turn now to that wonderful parish history written by Robert Corrigan to find out more about the beginnings
1: of St. Lawrence O'Toole Parish. When this area started to open up with lumbermen and settlers, there were very few families initially. By the 1860s, Polish Catholics were in the majority, striving to form their own church. To consider the beginnings of what was to become St. Lawrence O'Toole's parish, one must look at the number of Irish and French Catholics. The 1861 census listed only five such families, while the 1871 and 1881 returns, each listed 10. Clearly, there were not enough families yet to warrant a church. By the time the railroad came through to Barry's Bay in 1894, there were many more people and businesses. When missionary priests would come periodically to this region, Mass would be said at Henry George's General Store. People also traveled to Wilno for Mass and the sacraments after a Polish church, St. Stanislaus Koska, was established there in 1875. Prior to that, it was necessary to travel to Brunel. When the Polish people of Barry's Bay built their Church of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin in 1896, then there was a closer facility for the local people. There is not a point in time when it is known that Barry's Bay came under the care of St. Mary's of Brunel. In the time when Mass was said by a Brudenell priest in Henry George's store, Barry's Bay would be considered a mission of Brudenell. At that point, the parish priest at Brudenell was Father McCormack. During his pastorship, discussions about building a church at Barry's Bay were undoubtedly initiated. When Father McCormack died in March 1896, Father Francis French took over the Brudenell Parish with Father McCarney appointed assistant priest in December 1896.
0: But who was that first priest who started thinking about building the first chapel? To answer that, we turn it back again to Robert Corrigan's book.
2: James McCormick was born on October 1843, at Ballawanna County, Limerick, Ireland. On June 28, 1867, he was ordained to the priesthood by the Bishop of Kerry. But he left Ireland almost immediately and came to Canada, where he joined his brother, Reverend John McCormick, who was pastor at Mount Saint Patrick. And although Father James assisted his brother at Mount Saint Patrick, He was soon appointed as a first parish priest of Brudenell on November 1, 1867. While in Brudenell, Father James McCormack first completed a rectory which had already been started, and in 1871, he began the building of a new church in Brudenell. Later in 1891, he also built a church, St. Anne's at Cormac, a community named after him. He also built a chapel at Maynooth but he had been ill for some time and his death was not unexpected. He died at age 52 on March 19, 1896 and he is buried in Brudenell. So as
0: you heard, just as things were getting underway here in Barry's Bay, Father McCormick passed away. So it was left to the next pastor of Brudenell, Father Frank French, to pick
1: up the reins of progress. Father Lawrence French was born in Renfrew on September 5th, 1868, a son of Francis French and Mary McKean. His grandparents, Francis and Ellen French, from Castlebar and Cosmolina respectively, came from County Mayo, Ireland, to Canada in 1843. His grandfather was one of Father Matthew's famous temperance flock, who took a pledge of total abstinence from liquor. Father French attended the University of Ottawa and then the Grand Seminary in Montreal. He was ordained on December 22, 1894 at St. James Cathedral, Montreal, celebrating his first mass in Renfrew the following day. Appointed as an assistant pastor at Mount St. Patrick, Father French was assigned to Brunel in January 1896 to assist Father James McCormack, whose health was failing. Upon Father McCormack's death, Father French became the parish priest on the 25th of March and carried out the construction of a chapel at Berry's Bay, which was finally completed by 1898. Under Father French, churches were also built at Killaloo, Latchford Bridge and Combermere. Father French remained at Brunel until January 11, 1914, when he was moved to St. Francis Xavier in Renfrew. Later during the First World War, he served as one of Canada's most distinguished chaplains in France and Belgium. He was made a lieutenant colonel, and on May 5, 1918, Father French was awarded the Distinguished Service Order which he received from King George. During the war, Father French served at the Somme, Vimy, Ridge, and Passchendaele. But long afterwards, while returning from a trip to the Holy Land, Monsignor French suffered a heart attack and died on February 1st, 1936. Yet while still a relatively young man, Father French earned his wings in 1896, trying to figure out how to proceed with Father McCormick's design for building a chapel in Barry's Bay. On, 20,
2: on April 28,
1: 1896, Bishop
2: Lorraine, accompanied by Father French, came to Barry's Bay by train from Pembroke to select a site for the chapel. In January 1897, Father French started raising funds for the building of a chapel at Barry's Bay and also for one at Killaloo. For example, concerts and picnics were held to help raise money. In one instance, a draw for a gold watch resulted in a gain of $300 to be used towards the two chapels. By August 1897, a site at Barry's Bay was still being considered with the assistance of an architect, L. Joseph Foteau of St. Benoit, Quebec. Finally, on October 8th, 1897, the Bishop purchased one and a half acres in Barry's Bay from the Crown for $5. The original description was part of lot number 183, range B north of the Opiongo Road, Township of Sherwood. Today the address is 40 Opiongo Line, Barry's Bay. Less than a year later, in fact, on Tuesday, September 27th, 1898, Bishop Lorraine returned to Barry's Bay and blessed the new chapel that had been constructed on the site by Robert and James Devine of Killaloo. Father Patrick Dowdle, parish priest of Eganville, preached the sermon at the mass. The parish records of Brudenell describe the occasion as follows. On this 27th day of September, in the year of our Lord, 1898, the chapel of Barry's Bay a frame building, 27 feet in width and 47 feet in length, was solemnly blessed and dedicated to St. Lawrence O'Toole, Martyr, Archbishop of Dublin, by the Right Reverend Narcisse Zephyrin Lorraine, Bishop of Pembroke. The register was was signed by Joseph Letang, Frank Stafford and Henry George. St. Lawrence O'Toole remained a mission of Brudenell until October 1901, having already been served by two pastors, Father James McCormick and Father Francis French. But on October 26, 1901, when Killaloo became a parish all all its own with St. Andrew's Church, it assumed the missions of Barry's Bay, Round Lake, and Basin Depot. St. Andrew's first parish priest was Father Isaiah French, a brother of Father Francis French. Isaiah soon picked up where his brother had left off when it came to St. Lawrence O'Toole. Father Frank French, before his departure in 1901, had already constructed the chapel here in Barry's Bay in 1898, but his brother, Father Isaiah French, had the same chapel moved further back on the lot and in its place, he built a brand-new church, approximately 75 feet by 32 feet, or 23 meters by 10 meters. The old chapel then became the sanctuary of the new church.
1: Bishop Lorraine blessed the cornerstone of this new church on July 22, 1906. He then returned to bless the church itself on January 20, 1907. Once again, as in 1898, Father Dowdle of Eganville preached the sermon. The church building cost about $5,000. It was a frame building crowned by a spire rising 70 feet or 21 meters from the ground. The chapel was moved to the rear by Peter Dooling of Douglas. The Masons were Daniel J. Flynn of Eganville, and Alfred Turner of Killaloo, while the carpenters were Fred Morlock of Eganville, Stephen E. Smith of Berry's Bay, and A. Cosmac. George MacArthur of Renfrew ironed the spire and placed the furnaces. John Kilgore was the plasterer, and the painting was done by T. X. Renaud's men under the supervision of Mr. Thurburn. In spite of stormy weather, a large congregation was present for the blessing. The choir was conducted by Joseph Letang. A general collection was taken up on the occasion, amounting to over $200. As well, statues and vestments were donated for the new church. The bishop had arrived by train on Saturday and was a guest of Mr. and Mrs. Henry George. In addition to masses on Sunday and Monday, the bishop visited the separate school and had a tour of the turpentine factory. On his arrival, many parishioners were at the station to say goodbye to Bishop Lorraine on that Monday afternoon. On another momentous occasion, June 28, 1907, the Redemptist priest blessed and erected a mission cross in St. Lawrence Church and another one in the cemetery. The cross that was installed in the church is still present in today's church. It has been painted gold and hangs on the wall behind the altar. By September 1907, the parish of St. Lawrence O'Toole was well established. It included the Billings, Conlins, Conways, Dolans, Duners, Drohans, Dúnigans, Kerwins, George's, Kitts, Latang's, Mahon's, McDonald's, Murray's, Ritz's, Skibos, Smith's, Stafford's, Sullivan's, Whalen, and many others. On two occasions, adjoining land was added to the property of St. Lawrence O'Toole. On November 10, 1914, land was purchased for $200. From Martin and Margaret Daly, and on December 21, 1921, Stephen and Ellen Smith sold more land to the parish for the princely sum of $1. In 1914, as was the custom, Father Isaiah French was moved to Eganville, and Father Archie Reynolds took his place at St. Andrews in Killaloo, and thus by extension, Father Reynolds then became responsible for the mission of St. Lawrence O'Toole in Barry's Bay. Father Reynolds made a small addition at the back of St. Lawrence's, adding a room for the visiting priest to stay before and after Mass. Upon Father Reynolds' death on July 10, 1930, Father Dan Breen was appointed as pastor at Killaloo with Father Martin McNamara as curate. Four years later, in 1934, St. Lawrence's ended its status as a mission when it officially became its own parish on July 1st, 1934.
0: And so you've heard, it was 1934 that St. Lawrence O'Toole achieved its own parish status. Now let's hear a bit about the three priests who played the greatest part in accomplishing that task. Father Isaiah French, who served from 1901 to 1914. Father Archie Reynolds, who was pastor from 1914 to 1930. And Father Dan Breen, who was pastor from 1930 until 1934, when the Parish achieved its own
2: status. Isaiah Alexis French was born in Renfrew on July 17, 1870, one of seven children of Francis French and Mary McKean. Father Frank French was his brother. His sister Anna joined the Order of the Sisters of the Precious Blood, while another brother, Michael, became a Christian brother. Isaiah French received his early education in Renfrew and Elmont and went on to the University of Ottawa and then to the Grand Seminary, Montreal. He was ordained to the priesthood in Montreal on December 19, 1896. His first role was secretary to Bishop Lorraine. After three years, he became a curate at Douglas and then Brudenell. Finally, on October 26, 1901, He became the first parish priest of St. Andrews at Killaloo. Almost immediately, he built a separate school in Killaloo in 1902 and then a rectory in 1903. At Barry's Bay, he supervised the building of a new separate school in 1902, followed by the new church in 1906. A new school was also built in Killaloo after a fire destroyed the original building in 1912 and on July 1, 1914, Father Isaiah French was transferred to St. James at Eganville. Monsignor French died in Pembroke on December 5, 1943, at the age of 73.
1: Both he and his brother, Father Frank French, are buried at Renfrew. Archibald Joseph Reynolds, a son of Bernard Reynolds and Jane Ring, was born on July 15, 1882, in Merkinson Township, near Madawaska. One of his teachers at Madawaska had been John Wesley Defoe, who later became the editor of the Winnipeg Free Press. Father Reynolds attended the University of Ottawa, and then the Grand Seminary in Montreal. But it was necessary to withdraw from his studies for a while, because of bad health, and so he later completed his course at St. Thérèse, Quebec. He was ordained a priest on February 24, 1911, in St. James Church, Eganville. For three years, he served as curate at St. Francis Xavier's in Renfrew. Then, on July 1, 1914, he replaced Father Isaiah French as pastor of St. Andrews at Killaloo. Father Reynolds was instrumental in building a convent at Killaloo for the Sisters of St. Joseph, who came from Peterborough in 1915 to staff the separate school. Prior to this time, Douglas was the only location in the diocese where the Sisters of St. Joseph were helping out. The school was also enlarged to include senior levels. In addition to being an able speaker... Father Reynolds accomplished much for the welfare and advancement of his parish. Father Reynolds enjoyed traveling and in May 1926 returned from a six-month absence in foreign parts. He visited France, Italy, Syria, Palestine, Egypt, and Greece, among other countries, spending Holy Week in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. In Damascus, Father Reynolds was on a train that had bridges blown up behind it. Bombs and shrapnel kept falling during his stay there. Father Reynolds suffered a paralytic stroke while fishing in Round Lake on July 10, 1930, just days before his 48th birthday. Although his health had not been good for many years, news of his death still came as a shock to friends and parishioners. Father Reynolds is buried at Killaloo, where he had served as pastor for 16 years. And so it was, St. Lawrence
0: O'Toole was again without a priest in 1930. That situation was soon rectified with the coming of Father Dan Breen, the priest who ultimately would make us a full
2: parish. Daniel Joseph Breen was born in Bromley Township on April 15, 1886, a son of Patrick Thomas Breen and Margaret Bulger. After attending local schools, he went to Renfrew High School and then enrolled at the University of Ottawa. After studying theology at the Grand Seminary in Montreal, he was ordained on August 15, 1914, in his native parish church, St. Michael's, at Douglas. His first appointment was as as curate at St. James in Eganville. Other appointments followed at churches in Arnprior, Wiley and Corbet. On July 20, 1930, Father Breen was appointed as successor to Father Reynolds at St. Andrews in Killaloo. When the separate school was destroyed there by fire in November 1935, the rectory and convent served as makeshift classrooms until a new school was completed in June 1936. After nearly 17 years at Killaloo, Father Dan retired from active duty in January 1947 and served as chaplain at the Pembroke General Hospital. On September 3, 1971, at the age of 85, Father Dan Breen died in the Pembroke General Hospital after a funeral Mass at Killaloo, he was buried at St. Joseph's Cemetery on Alumette Island. Some of you here
0: today may even remember Father Dan Breen. As he often said Mass here in the 60s and 70s, when our parish priest was away for short periods of time. And many of you will remember him not only as a kind and wonderful man but especially will remember his great sense of humor. His sermons often left us smiling. So it was Father Dan Breen, who was here in July 1st, 1934, at the very significant change that occurred. That was the day St. Lawrence O'Toole became a parish. Before that time, as you've heard, it was felt that there were not enough parishioners to warrant a resident priest. Because in those days, there were reportedly only 35 families in Barry's Bay. Of course, as you've heard as well, the Polish families had long gathered together and formed their own church, St. Hedwig's, built in 1914. And the remaining Catholics of predominantly Irish background had long grouped together in their little mission church of St. Lawrence, O'Toole. The result, of course, was an f- informal thing. Everybody simply knew those places, as sometimes they refer to them now as the Polish church and the Irish church. On the surface, it might appear that St. Lawrence's parish consisted of only non-Polish parishioners, But appearances often confound reality. In fact, the so-called Irish Church had always been the home of a broad mix of cultures. From the outset, French Catholics found themselves part and parcel of the Irish community, and so too the English and the Polish, and in more recent times, almost every ethnicity and nationality, such as Canada. So too with the Polish church. Today this is even more true at St. Lawrence's with numerous Polish names mixed among the Irish along with the surnames representing many different ethnic backgrounds. In most communities you'll find where there are two churches there tends to be a divisional line. Not so here in Barry's Bay. Regardless of where one lives, we are all free to choose which church we prefer to attend. St. Hedwig's and St. Lawrence's both consider themselves inclusive places of worship and certainly inclusive places to gather for social events such as today's picnic. Both parishes, however, do retain underlying adherence to their historical roots of Polish and Irish. And so, as I mentioned, July 1st, 1934, St. Lawrence O'Toole became its own parish. For some, it was kind of a sad day, in that we had to give up our mission status at the Killaloo Mission, and we had to give up our Killaloo Mission priest, Father Dan Breen. Regret was expressed at no longer belonging to Father Breen's parish. But on the other hand, everyone was indeed glad to have a priest in full-time residence at last. And that full-time priest was Father Martin S. McNamara, formerly the curate at Killaloo and better known to most of us as Father Mac.
1: Martin Stephen McNamara was a son of Thomas McNamara and Bridget O'Brien. He was born on December 26, 1899 at Eganville, where he was educated at the Eganville Separate School and for four years at St. Alexander's College, Ironsides, Quebec. He then studied theology for a further four years at the Grand Seminary Montreal, before being ordained at St. James Church in Eganville on May 29, 1926. Following his ordination, Father McNamara spent three years assigned to various, various parishes in Pembroke, Wiley, Chalk River, and Deswisha before becoming named curate at Killaloo in June 1930. He was only at Killaloo for a month when the pastor, Father Reynolds died, and Father Dan Breen assumed that parish. When St. Lawrence O'Toole became a parish on July 1, 1934, Father McNamara was already well known, having served the Barry's Bay Mission for the previous four years from Killaloo. Until a rectory was built ten years later, in 1944, Father McNamara lived in an upstairs room at the back of the church. Ingeniously, he had fashioned an elevator-like contraption for hauling firewood from the first floor to his room on the second floor. Active in sports as a youth, he continued this interest in later years as a coach of high school hockey teams. He also attended baseball games during the summer recruiting children to return foul balls at five cents per ball. Father Mack was also known for his speed at saying Mass, often starting Mass well before the appointed hour. A person arriving in time for Mass according to the clock would sometimes find himself walking in at the middle of Mass. Father Mack also liked to see his altar boys in the sanctuary, whether they were actually serving Mass or not. If he noticed altar boys sitting among the parishioners, he would stop saying Mass and order them to get into their soutans and surplices and get up on the sanctuary where they belonged. Not only did the altar boys cause him to interrupt Mass, but if the choir was off-key, he would call out and let them know about it. Once, when the front door was left open for ventilation because of the summer heat, a dog wandered in while Mass was being said. Knowing all his parishioners and their pets, Father Mac looked at the owner and simply said, get that dog out of here. Because of bad circulation in his legs, Father McNamara had to have a foot amputated. This was not successful, so more of the leg had to be amputated. Eventually, the other leg also had to be operated on. This was very upsetting to Father McNamara, especially when it was necessary to lose part of his second leg. Still, he was not going to be kept down. From his hospital bed, he telephoned a firm that made artificial limbs and asked them to come and see him immediately for a fitting. Nor would he stop saying mass. He had an aluminum walker with four wheels made and that he used to get around on. It also had a seat that could be lowered when he was not standing and wanted to sit down during certain parts of the Mass. Altar boys had to develop new strategies for assisting at Mass. It was now necessary to help Father Mack climb up the stairs to the altar and to lift the walker up without making any undue commotion. Father Mack insisted on saying Mass, and he insisted on not sitting down unless at the correct moment during the Mass. He also purchased a car equipped with hand controls. So he remained as active as ever in his pursuit of serving his parish and his community. Father McNamara died at the Ottawa General Hospital on November 18th, 1958, following an operation on an ulcerated stomach a month before his 59th birthday. A solemn pontifical mass of requiem was chanted three days later Here at St. Lawrence O'Toole Church, where he had served for four years as curate from Killaloo and 24 years as pastor at Barry's Bay. He was buried at St. James Parish Cemetery in Eganville.
0: For 10 years, Father Mack lived at the back of St. Lawrence's in an upstairs room until the attached rectory and sacristy were built in 1944. The sacristy had an altar and chairs and was used when small crowds were in attendance, for example, at weekday masses. Years later, the church was re-roofed in iron and slate siding was installed on the church and rectory. In 1948, the parish had grown to 49 families with a population of 195 people. By 1950, the population had slightly declined to 190. But in 1953, there were 61 families and 193 communicants. And by 1965, there were 82 families. In 1984, there were 162 families containing 464 individual members of the parish. When Father McNamara died on November 18,
1: 1958, Father Hogan joined us for a few years. John Joseph Hogan was born in Donegal on December 5, 1889, a son of John Hogan and Mary de Lugery. He was educated at the Eganville Separate School, the University of Ottawa, the Grand Seminary in Montreal, and St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto. In his youth, he had a reputation as a very good baseball player. Father Hogan was ordained at St. James in Eganville on August 5, 1918, and was appointed assistant pastor in Mattawa. Before long, he was posted to Wiley, Chalk River, and Swisha. He then took over Brudenell in 1929 before being moved to Vinton, Campbell's Bay, and Maryland. But in 1958, Father Hogan was called back from the United States and took over St. Lawrence O'Toole on December 13, 1958. He only remained there a little over two years when ill health forced him to resign on april 8, 1961 but in his short time in barry's bay he proved himself to be a kind and charitable priest and made many friends shortly after his resignation father hogan died on september 30th 1961 aged 72. he is buried in eganville
0: father hogan is indeed fondly remembered in our parish particularly because he marked the last of the old-style priests associated with that wonderful old building here painted by A.J. Casson, the group of seven. Certainly our next pastor, Reverend Kenneth O'Brien, was cut from a different cloth and more than a match for the changing times, those tumultuous 1960s that started with Vatican II and ended with a man
2: on the moon. John Kenneth O'Brien, a son of Matthew O'Brien and Bridget Bradley, was born on June 17, 1904 at Esmond. Attending an elementary school at Esmond, Kenneth graduated from the Eganville Separate High School, studied philosophy at St. Jerome's College in Kitchener, and theology at St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto. Father O'Brien was ordained at the cathedral in Pembroke on June 14th, 1931. Initially attached to his home parish at Esmond, Father O'Brien also served in Arnprior, Calabogie, Mackey, Douglas, Stonecliffe, Du Riviere, and Osceola, before coming to Barry's Bay in 1961. His major accomplishment in Barry's Bay was his building of this new church, rectory and hall, all completed by 1965. It was especially interesting to listen to Father O'Brien's Ottawa Valley accent. It would seem that he had just arrived from Ireland. Undoubtedly there were people who believed that to be so. Besides serving as a member of the Senate of Priests for the Diocese of Pembroke, Father O'Brien served as Dean of the Barrys Bay Deanery for six years and as a member of the Diocesan Financial, Property and Building Committee for 15 years. On April 21, 1971, Father O'Brien resigned as pastor of St. Lawrence and became the chaplain at St. Francis Memorial Hospital continuing to live at the parish rectory. In May 1982, a year after his 50th anniversary as a priest, Father O'Brien retired at the age of 77 and moved to Marion Hill in Pembroke. This did not last long though, as Father O'Brien soon returned to Barry's Bay to live out his days at the Valley Manor where he suffered a heart attack and died on January 16, 1985. He is buried in Esmond. When Father O'Brien first showed up here in Barry's
0: Bay in 1961, little did we know that he would change the parish so profoundly and so quickly. By then, many parishioners had felt that the old church built in 1906 was too small. It lacked any hall facility and was in need of extensive repairs so much so that retaining the original building was not deemed feasible. Father O'Brien acted quickly. In the space of five weeks from the day he was named parish priest here at St. Lawrence's, he launched a campaign to build a new church. He had two very good strategies. First, There was an effort already underway to raise funds to build a new Catholic high school to serve the young people of Barry's Bay and Whitney and Madawaska and Wilno. Although enough money, it seemed, could have been raised to build that school, Father O'Brien suspected that it would have been very difficult to maintain the annual costs of such a building and decision was made, therefore, to drop the idea of a Catholic high school in the Barry's Bay. His second tactic, then, was to encourage each wage-earning parishioner to pledge money towards the erection of a new parish church. And as it turned out, through the generosity of the parishioners, the mortgage debt for the new building was paid off in 1970 after only six years. A committee composed of Patrick Conway, Murray Daly, Charles Kitts, Casey Murray, and MJ Murray spent almost a year investigating the various plans of church buildings. And finally, when all the planning was done and all the decisions finalized, The old rectory was torn down and construction of the new church began in September 1963. The dimensions of the church itself were 31 meters by 14 meters or 101 feet by 45 feet and a rectory was attached with a large hall in the basement complete with a stage and full service kitchen. This was, in fact, one of the first modern churches in the diocese to be built for the implementation of the new liturgy under Vatican II. As a matter of fact, plans were changed regarding the altar while the building of the church had commenced. And once again, through the generosity of parishioners, all the furnishings in the church were donated, including the bells, three altars, communion rail, organ, and stations of the
1: cross. The church records describe the blessing of the church in this way. On this 6th day of June, 1965, Pentecost Sunday, we, the undersigned Bishop of Pembroke, have solemnly blessed and dedicated to the service of God the new parish church of St. Lawrence O'Toole at Barry's Bay, at 3.30 p.m. amid a large concourse of priests of the Diocese of Pembroke and parishioners of the parish. We started the ceremonies by the blessing and dedication of the Cornerstone. We also offered up the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and addressed some words of congratulation to pastor and congregation. The official sermon for the occasion was given by Rev. Emmett J. Murray, a son of the parish. The church is a splendid edifice, and great credit is due all those who participated in the construction. Architect was Don Griffin of Pembroke, and the contractor was Mr. Keach of Killaloo. About 50 priests were in attendance, and a splendid banquet was afterwards served presided over by Mr Paul Yakabuski MPP for South Renfrew Although the cornerstone was laid and the church blessed on June 6, 1965 the church was ready earlier than that and was actually being used by Christmas 1964 The exterior walls of the church and rectory are veneered in hard brick of copper shade and bark finish The large roof of the church is shingled in asphalt and is angled forward at the apex as a protection for the front wall and large window there. The structure is crowned by an exposed tower of tubular steel surmounted by a cross in which are suspended three bells of various size, one above the other, with the smallest at the top. The bells are operated electrically. The largest bell has engraved on its circumference the name of St. Lawrence O'Toole. The medium-sized bell is likewise inscribed to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the topmost carries the engraving of the dedication to St. Joseph. These bells were cast in one of the ancient foundries of Belgium and installed by Elder Burst of Hyde Park, London, Ontario. The main entrance to the church is on ground level and has a very practical canopy portico of considerable proportions. To the right, in the entry, is an exit from the basement hall and a stairway to the gallery. To the left is the children's room, which is done in panelled oak with a plate-glass window looking into the body of the church. The floors throughout the church are Teresa, done in grey and two-tone green by Bacini of Hall, Quebec. The pews in blanched oak are large, affording a seating capacity of 300 in the nave. Here, as well as elsewhere in the interior, the walls are completed in exposed brick and of the same shade as on the exterior. The stations of the cross appear to be sculptured figurines mounted on oak shelves affixed to these walls. The frames and sashes of the windows in the nave and gallery are of red cedar. Glazing is of cathedral glass in varied colours. The large window in the choir loft, where seating for 30 choristers is available, is made in diagonal fashion and the whole presents the latin cross the symbol of christianity color accentuated in its traverse lines the roof of the church is supported by laminated wood arches whose supports are incorporated into the walls proper the ceiling in between is in fluted pine and painted The hanging light fixtures are cylinders of copper. The whole building, including the rectory and hall, is operated under one heating system. On the sanctuary, the main altar is centered to meet liturgical requirements. The tail of the altar is of cream marble in one complete slab, and the pedestals are joined by shaped metalwork painted in deep green with the word pox in gold worked into the lattice. The altar holds the tabernacle in burnished brass and is bolted to the table. The low candlesticks and the cross are of hammered brass. The marble for the altars, the pulpit, and the communion railing were imported from Italy. The communion railing and one small altar have been removed since then, while a public address system and carpeting have been added the large cross suspended on the wall behind the altar is made of oak with the corpus in gold this is the cross brought to saint lawrence's in 1907 by the redemptress the side walls of the sanctuary are given height by the freestanding curved oak battens the rear partition of light oak is enlivened by superimposed dark oat decorative decorative strips in the form of connected crosses. Through the door to the left of the altar is the vestry and server's room. The baptistry just off the vestry is entered from the passage that connects the church to the rectory. It is enclosed in light oak and grillwork, with a façade of multicoloured glass set in cedar frames. Ventilation in the main building is controlled by an electric fan high in the apex of the rear wall. Two extra fans have since been installed high above the center altar, and these electric fans are operated in the winter to circulate the heat better. There is also ample ventilation in the basement hall by similar means, although there are no windows. In this parish hall, there is a modern kitchen and furnishings for banquets, as well as a stage for concerts, with a seating capacity of 400 in the hall. The two-story rectory with an attached double garage is of conventional design with large picture windows on the south and west sides. When Father O'Brien resigned as pastor
0: on April 21, 1971, after 10 years of service here at St. Lawrence with Tools, Father Don Donahue
2: arrived as parish priest. Donald David Donahue was born in Pembroke on May 13, 1923, a son of Thomas Donahue and Margaret Ann Kearns. After attending Pembroke Separate Schools and Pembroke Collegiate, Father Donahue attended both St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto and the Grand Seminary in, in Montreal. He was ordained on June 11, 1949, and was assigned to Prior, then to Chapeau, where he also served as principal of St. Mary's Teachers College, before being appointed parish priest at Portage du Four, and then Sheenborough, and later Cumbermere and Latchford Bridge. On April 21, 1971, Father Donahue became pastor of St. Lawrence O'Toole's parish, but served here for a very brief time. Father Donahue was especially noted for his interesting sermons. He would not preach from the pulpit, but rather chose to step, step down in front of the altar and sometimes walk down the main aisle as if talking leisurely with the parishioners. On September 5th, 1972, Father Donahue was returned to Sheenborough as pastor where he died on June 26, 1976, at the age of 53. He is buried at the parish seminary of St. Paul the Hermit in Sheenborough, Quebec. On September 5,
0: 1972, Father Donahue was succeeded by Father John Green, who would lead the parish into its 50th anniversary, and in, 19, in 1984
1: and well beyond. John Edward Green was born on March 23rd, 1929 in Detroit, Michigan, a son of Joseph Michael Green and Catherine Mary O'Gorman. Early education was received in Maynooth and then Eganville. He attended St. Jerome's College at Kitchener, studied philosophy and theology, at St. Peter's Seminary, London, Ontario. Father Green was ordained at Our Lady of Good Council in Deep River on May 31, 1956. He was then assigned to the Cathedral at Pembroke, followed by parishes in Renfrew, Arnprior, and Osceola. On September 5, 1972, Father Green was named as Parish Priest at St. Lawrence O'Toole's in Barry's Bay. He was of a quiet, gentle disposition, both humble and modest, in many ways a striking contrast to his many accomplishments. A rare and gracious talent for dealing with the complex stresses of the modern church, he will always be remembered as a unique and inspiring man, especially among those who knew him well.
0: No story of any church would be complete without all of the other activities that occur on its premises that are not so much religious, but somehow representative of the social values of the community that come together as a parish. And St. Lawrence of Tools is no different as witnessed by the picnic here today. This parish has hosted many such events, strawberry socials, Christmas bazaars, St. Patrick's concerts, dramatic plays, card parties, and, of course, a bingo, all have been used to raise money or help the church come together as a community. Usually items were donated and then offered as prizes for the various games. These events then proved to be quite
2: successful, both socially and financially. A bazaar in October 1936 19- featured a major prize of $25 which was shared by Charles McLaughlin, Gordon Murray and John Sullivan. Also Kenwood blankets were won by Pat McCarthy of Killaloo, John Conway and Charles McLaughlin and fancy cushions were won by Bill Doyle and Stella Nicholson. In 1939 a series of card parties were held in the homes of participating parishioners during the winter. The series culminated with a card party in February where the winners at each table met and played off for a prize. A chest and blanket were won by Lauren Yakabuski. On June 28, 1942, a strawberry festival was held on the grounds of the old separate school featuring games and sports. The main attraction on this day was a softball game between the girls of St. Lawrence and the girls of St. Andrews in Killaloo. The Barrys Bay team won in a close game with a final score of 10 to 9. Players that day for St. Lawrence team were Doreen Conway, Marcella Sullivan, Vivian Kitts, Edna Kitts, Nora Walker, Genevieve Walker, Mary Murray, Margaret Saran, Teresa Conway, and Maureen Murray. Afterwards, a supper was served by the women of the parish with Mrs. Norman Walker, Mrs. M. Kelly, Claire Whalen, and Sadie Jordan in charge of the tables. Several draws for prizes were made, including a Kenwood blanket won by Joel Grady. March 17th, being the Feast of St. Patrick, patron saint of Ireland, it often resulted in a St. Patrick's Day concert. In 1944, an an evening concert was held at St. Hedwig's Hall. A play, Finnegan's Fortune, was presented that particular year and the cast included Dowdle Murray, Gwen Billings, John O'Malley, James Conway, James McNamara, Mrs. James McNamara and Bernice O'Grady. Between acts, musical numbers, choruses and drills were given. A tap dance by Bernice O'Grady and two vocal selections from Emmett Murray were heartily enjoyed. In 1959, when three performances of Light Eternal were given, the cast consisted of Leonard Sullivan, Jean Dwyer, Patricia Corrigan, Greg Conway, Mary Matuszewski, Danny Murray, Teresa Conway, Dowdle Murray, and Donna Gall. Before and between the acts, the crowd was entertained by Mrs. J. Dunnigan at the piano with Dougal MacIsaac and Jackie Conway on violin. Step dancing was displayed by Joel Grady, his daughter Mrs. Jack Billings, and his grandson Basil Billings. Other dancers were Fred St. Cyr of Eganville and Greg Conway, while other singers were Donald Murray and Mrs. Roy Wormke. Even during wartime, during a period of home front rationing, the good folks of St. Lawrence did their bit. In the fall of 1944, a two-day bazaar was held in the school hall. Card games of 45 and other games were well patronized and a generous lunch was served each evening at 10 o'clock. The following prizes were won. A luncheon set by Eddie Buderich of Jewelville, a dresser set by Matt Lahaye, five cords of wood by Mrs. Angus Etmanski, a fancy quilt by Dee Murray, A bedspread and Kenwood blankets by Thomas P. Murray. A bag of wheat by Hugh Costello of Brudenell. A prize rooster by Dowdle Murray. A blanket by Norman Walker. Kenwood blankets by Jack Beach of Killaloo and Horace Landon. A bag of potatoes by Reverend Martin S. McNamara. A baby's knitted outfit by Raymond Mask. And bags of flour by Billy Roche of Killaloo, Harry O'Connor of Eganville, Michael Murray, Joseph Shalla, Norman Walker, Albert Burkatt, Alex Japeski, Thomas O'Malley, Max Shalla, Eleanor Micah and Mrs. M. Apton. A thousand and one other things could be said
0: of St. Lawrence O'Toole Parish since it began as a chapel back in 1897 or even long after the 50th anniversary in, 18, in 1984. There were more priests who took over as pastors, Father O'Malley, Father Cebulski, Father Kulas, and now Father Dobek. And then there were all those babies who were baptized here, teenagers confirmed, young couples married, and God knows how many priests and nuns who were born here and to say again nothing of the many good works performed by organizations like the Catholic Women's League and the Knights of Columbus. And let us not forget the many good parishioners who are buried in the graveyard here. But none of those 1,001 things would tell you the one thing that many people who pass this address, 40 Opiongo Line, for the first time really want to know about this church who the heck is saint lawrence o'toole it was the very question a.j casson wanted answered nearly a hundred years ago when the group of seven painter first heard the name of our church
1: lorson O'Toole, saint lawrence o'toole as we like to say in english was born near castledermot county kildare in ireland he was the youngest son of an O'Byrne princess and he spent more than a few years as a hostage, taken from his family by a raiding king, Dermot MacMurrough of Leinster. Eventually, Lawrence was freed thanks to the intercession of the abbot of Glendalough. He himself would later become a monk at Glendalough, where he was also elected abbot in 1153 at the tender age of 26. Nine years later, he was again elected unanimously, only this time it was as the Archbishop of Dublin, where he earned an outstanding reputation both for his work with the poor and as a religious reformer. In particular, he established care centres for the abandoned and orphaned children of Dublin. Lawrence also became a national figure, greatly in demand as a mediator. He was the one man in all of Ireland whom everyone trusted, Irish, Vikings, Normans, all had equal respect for him as a man of honor and integrity. In 1175, he went to England to negotiate a treaty between King Henry II and the High King of Ireland, Rory O'Connor. Five years later, on November 14, 1180, while coming back from another foreign trip, Lawrence O'Toole died near Rouen, France. He was canonized a saint in 1225. But he was much more than just a saint. He was, he was a tall and graceful man, well known as an ascetic, who wore a hair shirt and never ate meat, and every Friday he fasted on bread and water alone. In contrast, however, when he entertained, his guests lacked for nothing, while he drank colored water as though it were wine, so as not to spoil the feast. Each Lent, he returned to Glenelow to make a 40-day retreat in St. Kevin's Cave. Often compared with Thomas A. Beckett after his death, Lawrence O'Toole's heart was preserved as a relic, but as recently as 2012, it was stolen from a church in Dublin. Six years later, it was recovered after the thieves reportedly said it only brought them bad luck and a host of family illnesses. Now you know
0: St. Lawrence O'Toole, who remains both the patron saint of Dublin and the patron saint of this very unique church here in Barry's Bay. We're going to go, but like to wish you all a long, wonderful day here at the picnic, and hope you both cherish the history of this special parish named after St. Lawrence O'Toole and those many hundreds and thousands of parishioners who have probably tramped the very sod we walk on today. For Lois LaSalle, Heather Paulquin, and our producer Barry Conway, I'm Karen Yakabuski, wishing you all a wonderful day. Enjoy the picnic and enjoy an even better future, all you good people of St. Lawrence O'Toole Roman Catholic Church here in Barry's Bay. I do have one... I would like to introduce Robert Corrigan. Robert, if you would stand up. Robert is the author of the history of St. Lawrence O'Toole's parish, and Robert did kindly agree to be available to answer any questions you might have after our after we leave here today so thank you once again